0: decided to go ahead and cancel the weekend, and I think everybody decided to take Sunday off. (laughs) And that's okay, but we're glad you're here and uh, and so forth, and uh, we do rejoice in that in the study here as we're going to continue looking at some things that we introduced last uh, week. Colossians chapter number 1, let's start reading here in verse 9 and verse number 10. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Our Heavenly Father, as we come this morning and as we study your word, we're just looking here at these issues of wisdom and knowledge and understanding we would do so uh, really to remind ourselves of the importance of keeping our, our thoughts and our thinking in the proper place. In your name we pray, amen. As we started last week, we, we dealt with that issue about, what, uh, what, uh, about where we get our information. We talked last week, we get it out of the King James Bible, we get it from the Word of God, and then as we began to look at it, we also then saw last time that we get it from the Apostle Paul. And here in Colossians 1, Paul prays for three items that are very important for us, the issue of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, that gold, silver, and precious stones. And we took, I took you last time back into Proverbs and showed you those where Proverbs 16, 16 and Proverbs 20, uh, I knew if I did that, I would not remember the Proverbs 20. I think it's verse 15. Let me look. Hang on. Proverbs... Proverbs 20, verse 15, yes, okay, <laughs> and uh, where, where it defi- uh, Proverbs helps us begin to understand gold, silver, precious stone, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, what they are. Now, in Ephesians 1, Paul's going to add one to that called prudence, and we'll talk about prudence uh, here in a the- next weeks. But what I just thought we would do this morning and next week is just look at wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. They're all three very related to each other because wisdom, the skillful use of knowledge, would require you to do what? Have some knowledge, have to know some things, and then knowledge and wisdom, but then you have to understand what you know. So they're all interwined. But if you'll notice in verse 9, he says that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So they're all intertwined together. And I just wanna this morning take you and and make you really, as I look around the room and I know most of you, just really to remind you of some things. Because as you begin to, where do you get your information from? You know, mainstream media, internet, and all the stuff that's going on out there. You know, (laughs) you can lose yourself real quick. Well, I don't want you to lose yourself. I want you to stay where you need to stay. It's fascinating when we talk about wisdom, and when we begin to think about wisdom, come back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number one, or come over to 1 Corinthians chapter one. And when you think about wisdom, this is a great passage by the Apostle Paul on wisdom, and what, what's out there when we begin to begin to talk about wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 1, if you look at verse 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, now the it is written here, he's going to quote Isaiah 29. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Isn't that fascinating? Notice the, the bounce back and forth, the, the contrast between human wisdom, the wisdom of the world, and Christ's wisdom. Look, notice that verse there in, in verse 22, for, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after what? Wisdom. But then he says, when we preach Christ crucified, what do the Jews think it is? It's a stumbling block to them because you know what? He's theirs. He belongs to them. They stumbled over him, they rejected him. He's the rock of offense to them. but the Greeks look at the world looks at you and I and says, "You guys believe a dead Jew hung on a tree? What are you fools? See that's why he says to the Greeks foolishness, they, you guys believe in human sacrifice. I never heard that one. I have. oh man, you do a little read and you hear it. <laughs> See, the, the world looks at us and says, you guys believe, that that Jew that walked over there 2,000-something years ago, he did this and he did that. And you know what we say, yeah, we do, because who is he? He's God, and, and he's the power. But you've got this, this display here between God's wisdom and the wisdom of this world. We call it the lie program, Satan, Romans chapter number 3, Romans 3. What is, I'm sorry, Romans 1, Romans 1, my mind in the game here, verse 25, Romans 1, 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie. He took the wisdom of God, the truth of God, and did what? Made it, turned it into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who was blessed forever. That's what the Greeks say. The Greeks seek after wisdom. You know, you look at the Greek philosophies of the day and you look at all that and you know what they do? They they are the center of everything. Man is the center. He's the God. And you know what Paul says? You come back here to 1 Corinthians 1 and he says, you know what, what? the foolishness of God is what? Wiser than man. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. You think about, the, when was God the weakest? Calvary. And yet, what did he do? He says, up from the grave he arose. <laughs> when the, ro- you know, hey, he's not here. He's risen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? The angels asked the ladies. What are you doing down here? He's not here. You know, you, I, you, I, I know it's not Christmas time or Easter but think about this stuff all the time. And you know what? The wisdom. Come over to 1 Corinthians 2. You see, there's a wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man, human wisdom, the wisdom of the course of this world. 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 6, Paul writing to the Corinthians, he says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. That issue of mature, maturity. If you, drop, if you let your eye run back up to verse 2, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. All that Paul could do with the Corinthians is just give them the gospel. Look over at chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 2. Well, verse one, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For here too, hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. You know what he says over there? He goes, look, guys, the only thing I can teach you guys right now, your spiritual maturity as babes in Christ, is just that Christ died for you, Christ crucified. That's it. I want to tell you, go back to chapter 2, verse 6, I want to move you on to perfection. I want to grow you up into the, to the, his grace. I want to get you planted and firmly set, but you're not able. You are not ready spiritually. So so, you know what? I ain't gonna do it. Paul is very careful never to violate the ministry of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the edification of the believers. He says, You're not ready. So guess what? Verse 6 we, howbeit we speak wisdom among them, them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. You see, the wisdom of this world is connected to the satanic lie. There's a connection there. Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of who? Of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, that's what we're going to talk about, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, the question is, what is the it? The it is the hidden wisdom. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The it isn't Calvary. They knew about Calvary. Genesis 3, he starts that that scarlet line all through Scripture. He starts it there and he lays out that scarlet thread all through Scripture about Calvary and the Messiah coming and the Redeemer coming and the Deliverer coming and the, the King and all of that is all laid out there. And Paul says, man, I want to talk to you guys so much about this. You just can't handle it. You're not able. And there's a hidden wisdom. By the way, verse 7 helps you understand why the mystery is a mystery. Verse 7 and 8. Why did he keep some wisdom hidden? Because if the adversary knew it, what would they not have done? The very thing that was needed to be done. They wouldn't have done it if the fact that he was going to form the church, the body of Christ, and take over the heavenly places and put us up there in the government, by the way, that's the issue there in the end of verse 7, ordained before the world unto our glory. Where do we glory? In the heavenly places. If he would have made all that known from the the foundation of the world, guess what Satan would have said? Don't you touch a hair on his head. (laughs) Leave him alone. But because he kept that information a secret. Again, he doesn't keep secret the fact that Christ is going to die. He keeps secret the what it all means. Come back with me to Proverbs chapter number one. Proverbs chapter number one. So when we begin to talk here about wisdom, uh, Proverbs one, on your way get Ezekiel 28. Stop in Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel 28, and Proverbs 1, and Psalms 8, you know, Ezekiel 28. Look at Ezekiel 28. Just real quick here. You have Lucifer described in verse 11, 12, 13, 14, okay? Look at verse 3. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. One of the attributes of Lucifer was he was was wiser than who? Than Daniel. There was no secret out there. There was God and then Lucifer. And yet what did God do? He kept a secret. He did the one thing that Lucifer could never find out, Proverbs 1, and he kept a secret. But what did he keep secret? Wisdom, some wisdom. You know, in the Garden of of Eden, when Lucifer shows up and he talks to Eve, you know, God could have really easily stepped in and just went, do over, start over. He could have easily, God has the might and the power. He spoke creation into place. He could very easily say, "Blank slate." You remember those etch sketches? Shh, sh, sh, start over. <laughs> you know, shake them. You know, start over. But he didn't because he had a plan that he was going to do what? Reveal from the foundation of the world, and he kept some wisdom. So it becomes a wisdom thing. It becomes a wisdom issue. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve, when Eve and them are talking with Satan, and Satan says, yay, did God really say that? Now I'm going to ad lib, okay? You know, and she says, well, no, he said this, and she subtracts and adds and takes away grace and adds the law to touch it stuff. You know what e- Satan, you know what he's doing? He's playing a wisdom game with Eve because the wisdom of God said, You can have of everything, just not this one thing. And Satan says, yeah, but if you join me, I'll tell you what you're really missing, what he really didn't tell you. And it's a wisdom thing. Satan knows he can never by might, power, go up against God. He just can go by wisdom and make his wisdom look better than God's wisdom. And again, What does the world look at when they look at God's wisdom? They think it's foolishness. I don't know if you ever think about the Lord, Matthew 4, Luke 4, comes in and he's going to spend 40, he's been out in the wilderness, Satan shows up to tempt him. None of that is a temptation of I am stronger than you. It's a temptation of wisdom. My program's better than your father's program. Join my program and I'll do... And he's like, no. As it is written, (laughs) yea, have God said. And he goes right back to the word of God. Proverbs 1, you have wisdom. It's an interesting thing here. Just looking at this issue about God's wisdom and the fact that Paul says, I pray that you have a spiritual... You have knowledge in all his wisdom. That issue of wisdom... Proverbs 1 verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Notice the four things there about wisdom, to know To perceive, to receive, to give. It's fascinating there. Drop down to verse 20. Wisdom crieth out, crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. You come over to chapter 8 and verse 1. Chapter 8 and verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? Look at, does, does wisdom, see wisdom is more than just, ah, we just know some things. Wisdom is a, is a component, it's an entity. Chapter nine, verse one. Wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her pillars, seven pillars, sorry. It's interesting, Proverbs, by the way, is, a, is the heartbeat of the little flock. When the little flock goes through the 70th week of Daniel, down there, they're going to need some wisdom. The seven pillars here will equate out to Hebrews through Revelation. The wisdom that they're going to need to get through that 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 Jacob's time of Jacob's trouble. There's seven books there, by the way, seven pillars. <laughs> it's going to you know, does wisdom speak out in in chapter eight, there, verse one? Does wisdom not cry? You go to Job thirty-eight, and what does the Lord look at Job and say? Where were you when I did? And he goes right down all about that creation and wisdom begins to speak. Come back over to chapter 3. And wisdom becomes a personification here. And the Lord by wisdom, chapter 3, verse 19, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let not them depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. As that little flock, as they look at creation, and as they look and begin to see what's happening in their program with what's going on in the book of the Revelation with creation, it's getting disrupted. It's getting manipulated. It's been all of this. Those vials are open. The the seals are busted. All that stuff is going on, and it's twisting creation. And he says, man, remember, where did God put on display his wisdom? Verse 19, the Lord by wisdom hath what? Founded the earth. Come on over to Romans 1. Romans chapter 1. You see, when you think about, you want to see God's wisdom in Scripture, he takes you right back to creation. You want to see God's love. You go to Calvary, there it's on display, but God committeth his love toward us. There it is. You want to see his wisdom, look at creation. Romans 1 verse 19, notice Paul, because that which may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. You look at creation and you see his wisdom manifested, put it on display in a very physical manner. You can touch it, you can feel it, you can look at it. Think about your bodies. They're fearfully and wonderfully made, right? You know, I got a cut on my finger. It's still, I got a little mark still, you know? You know? I was playing with the razor. I was cutting up a box. Come back over to 1 Corinthians 2. I was cutting up a box, and I went the wrong, you know, you don't cut to you, you cut away. I was cutting to me, away from me. I was all over the place. And you know what happened? oh I'm bleeding, you know. And, the, you know, it's right on the tip, of course, you know, not an easy place to put a Band-Aid, you know. So I go in, and, and but you know what happened? The blood stopped eventually. A couple days later, you know. I got a big old thing on the end of my finger, you know. And the next thing you know, it does what? Scabs up, begins to do, begins to get better, begins to itch. What's happening? The, what's, the, what's the wisdom of God doing? It's, it's self-healing. Here it comes. It's doing. You want to see the wisdom of God. You know where you're going to go? Just look at creation and you begin to see it. You got 1 Corinthians 2? Hold on here, run over to 2 Corinthians 5. Give you a, a precursor to a verse here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. What's God doing today? He's, he's forming a new creature, isn't he? 1 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. God's wisdom today, we're going to learn here back in 1 Corinthians 2 from Paul, has to do about what kind of a creation? A new one. You see his wisdom over here. He he took Satan in his own wisdom, caused Satan to do the one thing that was going to undo him, crucifixion. But he set his wisdom up in creation. He looks at Israel and he says, do you know why I created and Israel is to say, yes, we do, because it's all about, it's in their program, their learning. They When he looks at Job and says, where were you when I did this and where were you when that? You know what he's supposed to say? I wasn't there, but I know all about it and I know why, because what was he going to do with Israel? Set Israel up as his nation in the earth. What's he going to do with you and I? Set us up in the heavenly places as his nation in the heavenly places, okay? you, you, you. All right, I hope you're... I hope you're already like 10 miles ahead of me, all right? Maybe not, okay, maybe five, okay. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 Corinthians 2, notice if you will, again, verse seven, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, again, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. The issue here of the hidden wisdom and that wisdom that we speak, the wisdom of God, that we're going to speak in a mystery. God put on display in creation his wisdom. But he kept some of that wisdom a secret. And the part that he kept a secret, he reaches over and through the Apostle Paul, makes that known. And that becomes the wisdom that we're to know about. Come over to Ephesians chapter 3. That wisdom is what we, when Paul says there in Colossians 1, I want you to know, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Ephesians chapter 3, he says, here's the wisdom I want you to know. And I want that wisdom to fill you up and to control you and to be what guides and guards and moves your thinking and your decisions and everything that you decide to do. Look at Ephesians 3, look at verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given me to youward, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. He says I, he, kept some, he kept some of his wisdom secret. Now he's made it known. And the made known part is the part that now you and I are going to have to go and to live in, to know, to come to understand, to get the knowledge into us so that we can then by wisdom think and make decisions in life. If you come over to chapter 1. Verse number 9 and 10, chapter 1. Hold on to 3. Chapter 1, verse 9, he says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that, here it is, here's the mystery of the Father's will, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. There's the wisdom, the wisdom plan. We got a plan for the earth. We got a plan for the heavens. This one I'm revealing. This one I'm keeping secret. Paul says, "I want you guys to understand this hidden wisdom and have a have an understanding of letting this wisdom be what rules and guides and functions and and motivates you in life." Not this. Be over here. So I guess this side of the room, you're good for now. I'm gonna get you in a minute. Okay. Sorry, guys, (laughs) just hang on, okay? That's, there it is. Now go back to chapter 3, verse 7. Wherefore, I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery." making all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, that hidden wisdom. Look at what God would have you and I do today. You come over in chapter 5, and you look here. You start reading in verse 22, first word, wives. Verse 25, husbands. Chapter 6, verse 1, children. Chapter. Uh, by the way, children, obey your parents. That's the second. That's the next one. Verse four. Fathers. Verse five. Servants. Verse nine. Masters. Every aspect of your life, he says. Here's a wisdom designed to run for you and to function and run your life, reign in your life in these areas. Look, if you will, just just notice chapter six, verse five. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto who? Why do you work a job? And what attitude should you have on the job? Now, you work the job because you've decided to get married, have kids, and stuff. 1 Corinthians 7, Paul over there, people mock, make fun of it and kind of, hit. I, you know, they should remain as him and not married, okay? But the thing of it is, is people, you get married. You decide to have a family. Then you got to have stuff. So what do you got the job? To, to provide for your own, right? That's number one. Number two is to take care of the local assembly. You know, number three then is to take care of other people. Two and three, flip-flop, that's fine. But you've got a doctrine, wisdom, information that never was, you know why Israel worked a job? Because they did work jobs. It was to prove that God would do what? Bless them when they kept the covenant. Isn't that interesting? You know, I have not yet to find in the Old Testament where he says, you need to work a job to provide for your own. Because in Israel's program, if they obeyed the covenants, who provided for them? He did you and I don't have that relationship. <laughs> you got to work. Look, so that's your attitude. How about wives and husbands? Look, look back at verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. If you have that issue of, of, a, of a servant's heart, submission one to another, then verse 22 to, 20, to the end of chapter, well, the end of chapter five becomes real easy to do. It's when you don't have the submissive heart one to another that things blow up in your face. So if you're in a marriage, yes, the husband's the head of the house. Yeah, we got that. He's the head and the wife. But there's an underlining attitude to have in all of that. And if you don't have that, then guess what's not running and working and reigning in your life? Wisdom. Parents, children. I love that. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father. Children obey. Parents. Verse 4, and your fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, parents is a team because dad's not always there. Where's dad? Usually he's working. So mom and dad, parents have make a team to then teach the children to obey. We got those babies running around here. You know what they are? They are heathen they are savages. I raised three of them. They're still savages. Okay? But you know what you got to do? You got to teach them. That verse four, fathers, but bring them up. Bring them. You know what that means? It doesn't say send them. It says bring them. That means you're going to, to the local assembly. (laughs) And what do you do? You grab that little savage by the ear and you bring him with you. You throw him in the arm bar lock and throw him in the seat and get him in there. The nurture and admonition of the Lord. Oh, what a great time. My my title for for the weekend, the conference, you know, we didn't have was this passage, you know. But, you know, oh, God, give me wisdom. How about this? bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I trace that back through when we, Linda came and said, you're going to be a dad. And I'm like, oh boy, what is this? <laughs> so I go back through and you go back and, and it traces all the way back to Abraham. Moses, little boy and dad are out in the field working in the story back there. And Moses And the little boy looks at dad and says, dad, why do we do the sacrifices? Why do we go to the temple? Why do we do that stuff? Tabernacle. And dad, in that passage back there, he sits and he says, it's Genesis 18. He sits there and he says, because, and then he lays out the Abrahamic covenant. He lays out all the details. You go back to Joshua 4, Deuteronomy 6, go through the Proverbs, all that raising children, and you know what? When your child asks you, Dad, why do we go to church? You better be able to tell them an answer that's right, based on wisdom. It's right here. Why do you go to church? My kids ask me that. I go because I'm the preacher. I'm getting in the car and show them. let's go. <laughs> and they're like, No, that ain't gonna work, Dad. And that's I only I only said that one time to them just to prove a point, but. No, you sit and you say, because this is who we are and this is what we believe and we study and we have fellowship and we have camaraderie and we have this family. And you know what begins to happen? Wisdom. That's wisdom. We're not talking about ivory tower. If you're going to whisper, whisper a prayer. Did your, did your knees pop when they bent, you know, kneel in prayer? not, not talking about stuff. We're just talking about wisdom. Here's the impact of the hidden, this is a hidden wisdom. It's fascinating. By the way, you go back in Israel and they write the, they're write to write the word of God on their eyelids and all that stuff and they're doing all. And you know a kid's gonna say, what, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> and you talk, to, you educate them. They don't know. You talk to them, you teach them. You begin to grow them up. You begin to, come back to 1 Corinthians 2, You begin to allow the wisdom of God to work in your inner man. And, again, you may not be married. You may not have kids. You may not, you know, but, you know, it's the the concept. It's the principle. You can say, yeah, but, Rick, my kids are grown. I got grandkids. Then you know what you need to be? You need to be the grandparent. And you need to go in and, because you know how, My kids, we would send them back to mom and dad and they would come back with stuff. And I'm like, I told you that, but it didn't hit. But when granddad told, grandpa told them, it hit. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna hit you, you know. You need to be there as well. First Corinthians chapter two, notice verse seven, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. You know what he set this up? Way before the foundation of the world, way before he ever, you go back in Proverbs and you read about wisdom and witty inventions and all this and wisdom's on the table. Way before he ever said, let there be. Way before he had a plan. And you know what he had a plan? He had on his eyes and on his mind was you and I, ordained before the world unto, watch, our glory. Come on over, back over to uh, Ephesians 2 and Colossians 1. You see, folks, when we talk about wisdom, what's God doing? You want to see his wisdom on display? Yeah, you can look at the physical creation and see it. Have you ever noticed a spider web? out on a walk in, in nature, and the sunlight hits it, and it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Not the spider, the web. Okay, the spider will freak you out. I got, but And you sit there and you go, God made that creature do, able to do that. And it's just beautiful. I don't go on many nature walks, but I do see them in the books. And it's like, this is, you know, Arizona highways. Wow, it's just so beautiful. Wish I could get there next year. You know, and you look at it, and yet, so you can see his wisdom. But man, you really want to see the hidden wisdom. Look at us, where he takes this ragtag bunch of creatures. And one day, what's he going to do? Colossians 1, verse 27, what's he going to do? He says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles." He takes this bunch of ragtag group of dogs, you know, heathen, savages, people who were aliens and without God, no hope, enemies, ungodly, without strength. And he says, I loved you, and I died for you. And because you trusted me, because you are justified by faith in his blood, I'm going to give you which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've got a future that outweighs the past and the present, thousands and thousands to one. It's yours. Ephesians 2, verse number seven. Ephesians 2, verse seven. Ephesians 2, seven, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward who? Us. Who's the us? The Gentiles. The, the verse 11. The, I'm sorry, the verse 12. That at that time you're without Christ, being aliens from the common, strangers, no hope, without God in the world. That's your condition. That's who you are. And what did he do? He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take you, and it's going to be Christ in you, the hope of glory. What wisdom. What wisdom boy, let's rest in that. Let's spend our time looking at that, that event, Colossians 2, that event where where you and I go and we say, you know what, Lord, look at your wisdom here. Look at what you're doing. Colossians 2 verse, well, shoot, man, I know I wrote down 14, but really start in verse 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. I know we say, yeah, we're complete. Yeah, I know we say we're complete in him, but never not finish that verse. You're complete in the head of. You're not complete just in Christ. You're complete in the head of all principality and power. He is. Paul over there in Timothy calls him the potentate. <laughs> He's the potentator. He's the top. Later down in in chapter or early earlier um, uh, over in chapter one, he says he has the preeminence. That's who we're complete in. That's whose wisdom we're to be saturated with in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Here's a spiritual event that happened to you. Ephesians 2 over there just a minute ago, verse 11, you were called uncircumcised by the circumcision made with hands. Here's one without. Here's a spiritual one in putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcised circumcision of your flesh. Folks, you are dead. Think about the wisdom in that. You're in that Romans 6 condition. Your old man has been crucified. You have been set free from the control and the dominion of sin. The only reason why you live in it is because you choose to live there. What wisdom to look at you and say, I have set you free. Now go and live for me. Keep looking who hath raised him from the dead, and being dead in your sins and, your un- and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Wow, what wisdom to look over and say, you know what I'm going to do with that group of people? We're going to call them my body. It's going to be Jews and Gentiles. It's going to be un- the heathen, unsaved. I'm going to forgive them. And you know what they have to do? absolutely nothing. How much energy does it take to believe God? No energy at all. You just have to believe Him. How much energy does it take to believe what Scripture claims to be? No energy. You just have to believe. Verse 14, not only am I going to forgive all their trespasses, I'm going to blot out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way and nailing it to his cross. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that law, the law of God. He started giving his law to Adam in the garden on day one, or, well, six-day Adam the next day after the seventh. He started teaching Adam his law. It wasn't an if-then But it was what needed to be done in his law, and he set those things in. And when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3, he takes them over and teaches them animal sacrifice. Shows them that. They teach the boys, Cain and Abel, and he's teaching them the law. And you know what happens? Galatians says that the law was added because of the transgression. From Adam to Moses, sin was there, but the law did not impute sin, Romans 5. And then what happened with Moses? Uh-oh, now we have a, we have God's law, but what do we have? An if and then to it. And from that moment on, Romans 3, 19 says all the world was guilty. And you know what God said? In my wisdom, I'm gonna take that new creature over there, that creation I'm creating, that new species of humanity, and I'm gonna forgive them. And I'm going to take that law that says they're guilty, 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 and I'm going to put it away. And I'm going to take it over there and I'm going to nail it to my cross. I'm going to nail it to my propitiatorial work that I'm doing, having spoiled, verse 15, principalities and power. Do you know what it is to spoil something? To the victor goes the spoils. What has he done? He's won the battle. Not only the, phys- the spiritual battle on the-, on the cross there in those three hours of darkness, but now he's winning the battle for the governmental rule of the heavens and the governmental rule of the earth. He says, I've spoiled the principalities and powers. That's government. He goes, I'm the victor. When he said, it is finished, guess what it was? Finished. It was Done. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, in the cross. Think about the wisdom of God to take a Jew, his son, I know. Think about how the world looks at this. An average-looking, ordinary-looking Jew. Not Superman. Not a big politician. Not a big... Cause him to have an earthly ministry, die and go hang on a tree, and then say, everything I'm doing redemptive-wise is right there. And all you've got to do is believe him. Trust him. Yeah, but I want to do. That's human wisdom, isn't it? No, just trust him. And when you do that, come back to Ephesians 1. I'm going to do some things for you. I'm going to take that law that was against you, and I'm going to blot it away. I'm going to nail it to the cross. I'm going to take your sins and your trespasses, and I'm going to forgive them all, your iniquities. We were talking about that last time. I'm going to forgive them all once and for all. It's done. And I'm going to give you a life to go live. And that life is going to start with you understanding Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then he spends the next verses all the way down to verse 23 talking about all of the spiritual blessings, your acceptance, your forgiveness. Can you, ima- could you, can you ever imagine being able to say In verse 4, the end of that verse, being without blame. How many times do we always blame ourselves for something? And you know what he says? You're without blame. You're holy. You are, you, you have a predestination. You got a destiny out there in glory. You've been redeemed. I've abounded toward you in all wisdom and prudence. I've given you the mystery of my... I've made all this known to you. Chapter 2. He comes in and he says, hey, first, four ver- first three verses, this is who you were. This is who you are now, verse 4, 5, 6, 7. By the way, verse... F- 14 down to, the 20, down to verse 22. Here's what I accomplished at the, at the cross. Here's what's really going on. I took you guys that were verse 13, but, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ because of the change in the dispensation, because I've changed how I'm impacting and dealing with mankind. Guess what? I set you in a prime position, primo far above all principality and power. You come into chapter 3, and he says, I had a plan, verse 1 to 12, and I made it known. And what I need you to do, verse 16, he would grant you according to to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. You know what I need you to understand is who you are in Christ, what I've done for you, chapter one. Chapter two, how I made it possible to do what I did for you Chapter 3, here's the guy that you got to be paying attention to, the Apostle Paul and his writings. And here's, what I, here's the goal, and that's to have you to be able to comprehend what is the breadth, the length, and the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ, to get it all into that thick noodle head of yours, to have it reach down into your life. Chapter 4. Verse 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. I gave you a job to go do. And that information is to sink down and reach down into the depths of your inner man, and you're to go do and be the ambassador for me, for Christ. You're to go and do that. Chapter 5, verse 1, you're going to have a, a walk Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given uh, himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savior. You're gonna go have a walk. You're gonna have a walk in love. Verse two, verse eight. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 15, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know what you need to be doing? You need to be walking where you belong, where you're supposed to be walking. You look at the world around us today, come on over to chapter six. You look at the world around us today, I'll tell you what, if you understand in your Bible, you should not be surprised that the world's in the condition that it's in. I was reminded of that this past week. You know why? Because you're redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know what the score is. Why? Because you've got the wisdom of God, that hidden wisdom. So you're walking right down through it. Follow that? Then you got chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There's a warfare. He gave us a warfare to win. It's going to come. We're already there, verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But you ought to remember that sometimes when you're dealing with each other (laughs) and others. But who do we wrestle against? The principalities and powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He gave us a warfare to go win. That's why we have the armor down there. All that armor is forward-facing. There's nothing that protects your backside. It's all up front. You know why? Because what what are we to do? Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand. How do you know how you stand? You take the wisdom, the wisdom of God. He's made it known. He kept it secret. Now he's revealed it. We're to take that wisdom and have that wisdom be what rules and dominates our life, our mindset, our thinking processes, whether it's marriage, home, kids, job, neighbors, whatever it is. And when that begins to happen, then the knowledge and the understanding kind of flow into that real simple. We'll get those next time, okay? The big one is this wisdom. You see it on display in creation. What's God doing today? A new creation. We saw his wisdom back in the Old Testament. You see it in creation, and we see it today in the church, the body of Christ. His wisdom has been revealed to us. We're to build that doctrine into our inner man. That's the wisdom. Paul talks about there about making sure when you're building gold, silver, and precious, you build that on there. You know what will stand in that day out there? What will certify you to be a great servant, worker be, if you will, in the kingdom, his the heavenly kingdom. Get it right. <laughs> get an email. Kingdom, you know. The, the heavenlies. Building that wisdom. Don't let your mind stray too far from that. And When it does, just kind of pull it back over. But if you're reading three chapters a day, you don't get very far. Okay? Bring it right back all right? But that's the wisdom. Again, it impacts every detail of our life. We got to know it. And we got to understand it. And then when we do that, we have that wisdom. Then we get the prudence, okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for everything that we have in your son, that you've revealed it to us. You've made it known to us. And Lord, I just pray that it will become real in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand. We'll be dismissed with the song. Thank you, guys.